Hello, I'm Peter Hall. I'm Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Pathology. I've now had this role for just over three years, and before that I was Secretary of the Pathological Society, and before that I was Associate Editor of the Journal, and before that I was on the Editorial Board. Indeed, it's strange, but I've been associated with the Journal for perhaps over 20 years. The Journal has come a long way in that time. Dennis Wright was editor when I began my association of the journal, uh, perhaps, I think that was 1990. The JPATH, or the Red Journal, as it's sometimes known in the US, has indeed come a long way. Dennis set in train a, a whole series of changes. He did a great deal working with the publishers, John Wiley and Sons, who are of course now Wiley Blackwell, to introduce many innovations. He was succeeded by Peter Toner in the early 1990s. In those days, of course, the entire submission and review process was paper-based, using snail mail. Hard to believe. Among the many innovations that Peter introduced was, during the late 1990s, the move to an electronic manuscript handling system. Indeed, the very system that we still use today, Manuscript Central, albeit it has moved on considerably and is much more sophisticated than it was when it was first introduced. Peter also collected around him a group of associate editors, notable among them Fred Bosman, Rosemary Walker, James Kirkpatrick and Andy Hanby. Simon Harrington and I were also in that merry band. Simon Harrington followed Peter Toner as editor and worked hard to move the journal to a more, if you will, mechanistically based as opposed to descriptive title. He also developed the annual review issues, an innovation that had been instigated by Peter Toner. The annual review issues under Simon's direction became incredibly important for the journal's development. Indeed, they represent a huge amount of work every year, but that work and effort are incredibly important in being the means by which the journal promotes itself and has developed its very impressive impact factor. The annual review issues are incredibly useful learning resources and summaries of entire fields and areas. During Simon's tenure, Jeremy Theobald became our first professional managing editor and he carried on a huge array of different innovations with the help of the publishers to, to develop what the journal did and how it was perceived in the world. He moved on to other things and was replaced by Joe Wixon who similarly has been hugely positive as a factor in developing the journal. And as I took over from Simon Harrington some three years ago, Joe was really important in helping that progress be developed and maintained. When I took over, Joe and I were assisted by Richard Poulsen, who came on board as deputy editor and has particular responsibility for review material, a pretty difficult but very important task. Our group of associate editors is now very broad, with Phil Coates from Dundee, Ming Du from Cambridge, Louise Jones from Barts and the London, Pancras Hugendorn from Leiden, Gerald Niobatek from Berlin, and they're assisted by Mark Ladanyi from the Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital in New York, Hartman Kupen from San Francisco, and we have recently appointed two new associate editors, Eric White from Michigan and David Bontron, a geneticist from Leeds. With Joe Wixon being based in New Jersey, marketing of the journal being done from the Wiley Blackwell office in Oxford, 
production being based in Edinburgh, typesetting and printing in the Far East, and with me being in a new position in Riyadh, we are truly a global enterprise. You could say that the sun never sets on the J-Path. In fact, the time differences actually work very much in our favour, such that we can be very timely in our ability to deal with manuscripts and issues and respond pretty much 24 hours a day. So what have I done as editor? What have, what's been my role? Much of my focus, actually I should stop a moment, it's not my focus, it's our focus, since it, this is very much a team effort. Much of the focus has been in making our processes and procedures robust and slick, since this is what everybody wants, authors, publishers, readers. We have some of the best performance indicators in the industry, if you'll let me call it that. Our mean time to first decision is 13 days, and our mean time to final decision is an impressive 23 days, although clearly those figures are based on skewed distributions. However, they're the figures that the industry uses. So we are very, very competitive in those terms. We're also competitive in terms of our cost, with no page charges or submission fees, and pretty competitive colour costs. Another thing that we've worked hard on is time to publication from the moment that a paper is accepted. We actually do the editing prior to acceptance, and from the moment the paper is accepted to a non-typeset manuscript appearing online with its own unique digital object identifier, or DOI, that period is usually less than a week. In fact, I could say invariably less than seven days. The DOI is a very important number. This digital object identifier is, if you will, the barcode that defines a paper in perpetuity. At the moment it has a DOI, it becomes a citable object. What else have we done? Well, we've completely overhauled the instructions to authors, and I hope that these are now much more user-friendly, clear and concise. We have a wide range of policies to deal with all sorts of different issues and eventualities, and we've published editorials outlining those, and another editorial outlining our approach to ethical issues will appear in March. We've introduced a number of things, such as uh, mechanisms for detecting uh, plagiarism or unethical use of material, and we are very much focused on trying to be market leaders in those kinds of issues. All of this, we hope, makes us an attractive place for authors to submit their best material, and certainly we receive now a lot of very, very good copy. Certainly submissions continue to climb, and the geographic range of submissions is very broad, with many excellent contributions now coming from the US, from Japan, China and mainland Europe. But what of the reader? What have we done for him or her? Well, there are many cosmetic issues that we've dealt with, such as issues to do with format and typeface. But much more importantly, we've endeavoured to introduce things that will be, give real value to the reader. We've tried to make sure that we have at least once a month, sometimes more than once a month, an edit editorial or commentary or perspective or a review that gives value to the reader. We endeavour to make those freely available at least during the month that they're published. In addition, we've started to produce what we call virtual issues. We began this last year. These are collections of papers and reviews published in our pages, collected together and made freely available. They are pulled together with some commentary and annotation from experts in the field. They are thematic, and the four that we published in 2010 span topics such as P53, breast cancer, renal disease and lymphoma. 
The first virtual issue of 2011 is on neuropathology and has been compiled by Joe Martin and Sylvia Marino from Bartsonna, London. That's just about to be released. The second virtual issue of this year has been compiled and annotated by John LeCain from Cambridge and myself and is on the subject of microRNAs and their role in physiology and pathology. That will be released in early April. Others are planned for the summer and for the fall and we anticipate that we will publish these four times a year, not only electronically and in association with making the various articles to which they refer free, but we'll also produce them as podcasts as well. Which brings me to the subject of podcasts. While we did wonder about introducing Twitter and Facebook, we didn't really feel that the world of pathology was quite ready for that yet. But podcasts seem a useful means by which the editorial team can make the journal more accessible and user-friendly, again giving value to people, giving value to the readers, giving value to society members, being able to access the pages of the journal and what's in them. So this is the very first podcast, and I hope it has been informative, telling you a little bit about the journal. We intend from the spring to release at least one a month, outlining the content of each month's journal, as well as a podcast for each virtual issue. On occasions we might release others. I'll be interested to know what you think about this, the first podcast, and the ideas that, about the journal. Indeed, I'd like to hear your views about the journal in any respect. So please write to me at the journal, the email address of which is eic.jpath at gmail.com.